since the start of Delight in Wellness, it's been nearly 10 years, there are always things in my business where I will feel like I am still a novice and still a beginner, but that's what keeps things fresh. And I'm a lifelong learner. That's one of my strengths. So I never want to get to the point where I feel like I know it all because I know that I don't. And that's a really scary place to be if you think that you've reached the point where you no longer have to look at yourself with curiosity. Do you love your business? You should, right? Well, sometimes we just don't. It's my hope that this, the My Daily Business Coach podcast, helps you regain a little of that lost love by providing tips and tactics, tools, insights, inspiration, all the good stuff to help you actually enjoy running your business. In addition to actionable tips and tactics that you'll be able to execute immediately, you'll also hear from creative small business owners around the world who've been able to sidestep the hustle and build a business that merges their passion with their purpose and provides a profit. I'm your host, Fiona Kalaki, founder of My Daily Business Coach. Let's get going. Hello, and welcome to episode 90 of the My Daily Business Coach podcast. Today, it is an interview with an absolutely inspiring, beautiful, just oh, really, really wise small business owner that I've had the pleasure of working as one of her clients. And we've also worked together in terms of me as a business coach with her brand. So I'm really excited to be sharing today's interview with Jolinda Johnson. And Jolinda Johnson is a wellness mentor and a priestess. And I first discovered her through Instagram back in 2017. I had to go back through my emails to see when I actually started working with her. But I found her on Instagram in 2017. And at that time in my life, my mother had passed away. I was going through a lot of sort of challenges in my personal life. We were trying to get pregnant again and just a whole lot of stuff was going on. And I'd looked, I had seen so many (laughs) naturopaths and acupuncturists and, you know, all these different types of people. And I found Jolinda and I just watched her posts and listened to her just true authenticity. And I don't mean that in kind of the buzzword that it's become, but really just being who she was and really being there for women who were in a similar situation to myself. And so I contacted her on Instagram and we started working together as she was my coach or mentor, I guess you could say. So I worked with her for about, I can't remember if it was three or six months, but in that time I made total changes to my life. So at the time I had been having a wine, like a lot of people. Well, I didn't drink Monday to Thursday, but on the weekends I did. And I often saw the wine as kind of my point of relaxation. Like, okay, once I can get to, you know, open my bottle of wine, then I'm relaxed. And it was really, when I look back on it, not the greatest, I guess, association with that was my point of relaxing rather than anything else. And working with Jolinda, We worked through, you know, what else could I do to relax and what else could I be doing that would be benefiting my body, my mind, my spirit, all of those things. And with Jolinda, I also had to work through, you know, the realisation that I wasn't getting pregnant the natural way, which I had been able to get pregnant previously. 
And so we worked through, you know, us trying IVF, which is what ended up happening for our second child. And I just remember kind of fighting her or or being so defensive about things that she would bring up. And it wasn't at all on her. It was totally my own ego was coming out and all these sorts of things we worked through. And she was just such an incredible soul to hold that space and do so in such a beautiful, non-judgmental way. And that is Jolinda. She is, from the minute you meet her, she is just so warm and open and giving and You know, she starts her sessions with meditations and so often when I worked with her back in 2017, 2018, and then again last year, I'm pretty sure that's when I did it, 2020 or 2019 into 2020, you know, every time I'd kind of, you know, because of the time difference, she's in Spain and I'm in Melbourne, so we would do them in the evening and sometimes I'd get in and be like, I'm so tired, I just, you know, I just want to watch Netflix. And then I'd get on and just within five minutes, I'd feel so calm, so restored. And Jolinda just has a beautiful way of working with what you need rather than some prescription on, you know, this is what wellness is. I absolutely love the way she works, but I've also been able to watch her business evolve over the last few years and seeing how she's really stepped into who she is and what she is really, you know, aiming to challenge and help in the world. And I absolutely love what she's doing. If you are listening to this and you're someone who is, you know, maybe going through burnout or maybe it's been years since you went through burnout, but you you never really worked through that stuff, definitely get in touch with her. Likewise, if you are somebody who suffers from any kind of hormone health issue, definitely get in touch with her. She has just been instrumental in in really helping my own health, but also really getting me to think about other things, really getting in tune with who I am spiritually as well. So yeah, I just had to have her on the podcast and I'm so, so glad that she came on. In this interview, we talk about why she started her business, how she started it, how she did it as a, you know, new person in a different country. So she lives in Spain, but she's originally from the US. And we talked about what that's like and also what it's been like evolving her business and sort of stepping outside of what she has been doing into something new. And how does she deal with the kind of self-doubt and the things that come up that kind of can blunt your motivation when you're doing something new. So yeah, absolutely loved chatting with her. I know you're going to get so much from this regardless of where you are in your health or spiritual journey. And as small business owners, yeah, I just think it's so important to stop and look at all parts of your life. Often we can get training. I mean, I do training with a lot of businesses on systems and processes and tactics and marketing and brand. And, you know, I've worked with business coaches that are very similar, but I've just found just so much beauty in working with somebody like Jolinda for my business as well as my life in general. So I can't thank her enough for all the changes that she has brought into my life and just the expansion of my ideas and and knowledge about the world. But also just what a beautiful soul she is and how inspiring she is to to really be taking leaps and bounds in her own business because other people watch that and get inspired. So here it is, my interview with wellness mentor and priestess, Jolinda Johnson. Welcome, Jolinda. I'm so, so looking forward to chatting to you today. So how are you feeling right now? How's, how's life for you in kind of still COVID land? 
I'm good. All things considered, I'm I'm doing really well. You know, everyone that I care about most in the world is healthy and and that's the most important thing I think at this point. Yes, oh, completely. And you are based in Spain, but as your accent shows, you're originally from the US and we'll get into... Oh, this accent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just accent. Although I think you've got a bit of like European in there now because you're sounding almost like a posh version of like British and American <laughs> together. Hmm. Can you tell us a bit about your business? So people listening would have just heard me in the intro talk about my amazing experiences with you and literally life-changing experiences with you, and I don't say that lightly, but how do you describe what you do and all the kind of different elements of, of what you do? Well, I am a wellness mentor and priestess, primarily focused on burnout and perimenopause, and I help my clients break up with burnout and return to the wild, whole, human and free. So I use my training as a certified holistic health coach with a specialization in hormone health, a certified life coach and a priestess, which really is someone, you know, for me, someone committed to social justice and connection to spirit and letting that energy work through me to help my clients really reconnect all of the different components that go into that mind-body-spirit connection and call back all of those parts of themselves that, for whatever reason, they've had to abandon along the journey of their life so that they can redefine wellness on their own terms. Oh, I love that. And obviously, I've had the benefit of, of learning from you and working with you. And even just now, when I asked you, you know, what do you do? Like, it's so obvious that you have a passion for what you do and, and you really are committed to this and not just, you know, teaching others, you live your life like this as well. Can you take us back to when this started? Like, why did you get, I mean, everyone should be interested in their health, but lots of us are not, or we don't work in that space. So why health and why women's health and and how did the idea of what you're doing now come into play? And often if people are following you or, or part of your membership or working with you, you often talk about wild or rebellious. Mm-hmm. How did that kind of come into, <laughs> into what you do? And, and can you tell us about sort of, yeah, when it started? And I guess secondary to that, I know it's a long question, but bear with me. Mm-hmm. Secondary to that. You're going to get a long answer, Fiona. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's why our coaching sessions always went so far over because we could just chat and chat and chat. But what was your upbringing like? Like all this kind of spiritual stuff and energy, was that part of your upbringing? Was your, your parents really into health or, or running your own business or helping people in, in the field that you're doing now? Yeah. Lots of things to mention there. I feel like I should have taken notes. <laughs> I should get better at asking shorter questions. No, it's, it's fine. So... My great-great-grandmother was from the Cherokee tribe, and she was a healer (laughs) named Joanna. And I honestly, in these last few years, have realized that a lot of my, I would say, natural healing gifts come from that lineage. Because the side of my family that's always had quite an interest in, in health has been on my paternal grandmother's side and my paternal grandmother, you know, moving a bit closer to me in my ancestry. She was 
very much on the vanguard when it came to juicing and it's not anything I recommend now, but when people thought skim milk was healthier and, mm-hmm. you know, just like longevity and kind of using natural remedies for things, you know, and speaking of rebels, I mean, she, you know, she had four children, but then in her forties decided to go back to school and get a master's in education. And then she had a, you know, 20 year career as a teacher. And that was, you know, in the seventies and early eighties, which was very unheard of to reinvent yourself in that way, you know, (laughs) Mm, completely. And they were church people, but growing up with my two parents, they considered themselves unity students. There's a branch of Christianity called unity Christianity. And they really taught me things that are very popular now that I couldn't really explain as a child. I thought they were very strange. I didn't appreciate it at all. When we sat down before we ate, we always said, it's called the prayer of protection. You know, the light of God surrounds me. The love of God enfolds me. The power of God protects me. The presence of God watches over me. Wherever we are, God is. And that's something that they still say, you know, every single time they sit down. And I didn't appreciate it at all. I rejected it as I got older. And I just thought, this is just something that you guys do as, as you know, we individuate as teenagers, a lot of times, even the things that our parents do that are helpful, we just say, that's you, you know? Yeah. My father wanted me to meditate from 11. You know, he would say that uh, after breakfast, I, I had to sit and at least for five minutes, try to meditate before school to help me focus and not that I had problems with with attention, quite the contrary, but it's it's something that he had found helpful in his own life. So he wanted to pass that to me. But when I went to university in New York City in 2000, which saying that sounds so long ago. <laughs> I know. I really forgot a lot of that. And, you know, in terms of health, I grew up in a house that was very focused on weight loss coming from my mother. I did not have a model for what it was as a woman to treat my body as something I respected and something I wanted to care for. I really saw what it was like to just approach health from an adversarial place, you know, like my body's not doing what I want. So how, what do I need to do to change that? And I developed disordered eating from the age of 10 because I saw my mother was always dieting. And I also had primarily white friends. I should mention my mother's white. I had primarily white friends who had a very different body type than I did. And, you know, that combined with all the images we get in the media, I mean, it's different now than it was, you know, 20, 30 years ago. But, you know, I remember just having my walls plastered with images of thin white women and that being the standard that I wanted to be like. So, yeah, I, um, in the early, early years, (laughs) definitely in my twenties, you know, for me, healthy was skinny. And so all of the different things that I try, you know, the vegan diet, the raw, I was raw vegan for a year. I also didn't have my period during that time, macrobiotic, juice fasting, you know, in my twenties, I'd done 
a lot of juice fasting. I did a 10 day water fast. If it's out there, I've probably done it. And (laughs) with no respect for my body whatsoever, all from this point of how can I lose weight? That's where the idea for my first business, which no one knows about, because I started it when I was still a full-time teacher and not at all prepared to be an entrepreneur. And that was called Delight in Wellness. And so when I started Delight in Wellness, that was in 2012, I just wanted to help people repair their relationship with food and to discover the the joy that exists in nourishing your body from a place of wholeness. And I knew probably a tenth of what I do now, but I still knew quite a bit. And it was very much centered around how can I ditch the diet and the diet culture and figure out what foods just make me feel alive. And then I uh, was diagnosed with my autoimmune disease, which is called ankylosing spondylitis. And it's basically a form of spinal arthritis. And that was a revolution because all the things that I was doing that I thought were healthy, quote unquote, I was eating vegan at the time and all organic and just, you know, my, shall we say, ideal weight. So I wasn't underweight. I wasn't doing anything that I thought was you know, a red flag, I was diagnosed with this auto-inflammatory disease. And one of the things that really helps is not eating starch. (laughs) So you can imagine as a vegan, I was having, you know, all the legumes and all the sweet potatoes and Mm -hmm. all the, you know, the quinoa and brown rice and all that. And that had to go. And that was a big realization to me that like, wow, there's not this perfect way of eating. There's not one way of eating for everyone. And the foods that I'd kind of villainized were actually the ones that were going to make me feel better. So that was a huge shift in perspective. Fortunately, the diet that I started following for that is also one that's really good for fertility. So a few years later, I got pregnant with my son and that was the first cycle trying, but I knew what I was doing without being obsessed with fertility per se. I I knew, you know, that I was on the right track. And then when he was almost two, I thought I want to try for another one. But instead of just letting it be this natural process of, okay, I'm doing the right things and I love my partner and everything's going to be all right. I came at it from a very strategic place of, okay, I've got the foundation. Now what can I tweak? And I fell down that rabbit hole of what makes the best quality sperm? How can I do everything? A thousand and ten percent. And I just got totally overwhelmed. I lost trust in myself. But I realized that I also would like to work with other women who were potentially feeling that way. Because if I felt that way with all of my background, imagine someone who had no clue. And that's when I thought, okay, I'm going to really focus on fertility coaching. And I was at that stage in my life where I I was just coming out of being a stay-at-home mom. I was fortunate enough to be married to someone who allowed that. When I say allowed, I mean, his salary allowed us to do that. And I thought, well, I don't want to go back to, it's it's the realization I had. I don't want to be a stay-at-home mom, but I don't want to go back to teaching either. So maybe I should really give this coaching thing a go. And I started working with women around fertility from a health coaching standpoint. 
And I quickly realized that I was lacking some of the tools that I needed to go a bit deeper and ask the questions that would help get to the root of things, you know, like you're making these choices, but what's driving that. And also the emotional stuff, as opposed to the diet stuff was where where I really started to kind of light up, but I did feel a bit out of my depth sometimes. So that's when I decided to go and do my life coach certification. And at that point I was like, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to focus on fertility and that's going to be my niche. And I felt really confident about that. But after a couple of years, I realized that I really wanted to help people beyond fertility because I would have women come to me saying, I have painful periods. I really struggle with PMS, but I don't want to have children. And I would think, well, I could help you, but you only see me as someone who helps people have babies, you know? Mm -hmm. So that became kind of this source of discomfort and the body always knows. So, you know, in the months leading up to the decision to leave fertility coaching, I was just, I was feeling a lot of tension in my body, very similar to what I felt like when I knew it was time to leave my marriage. And I thought, great, this is happening again, where I'm like in this situation that I thought was the right thing, but it's time to let it go. And so I did that. I let fertility coaching go, transitioned to women's health coaching. And then after I did a 14 months priestess journey, that's where I really reclaimed that part of myself. Because when you say that you're a priestess, it's really, it's not something like coaching where you get a certificate. It's, it's really a process of remembering and reclaiming a lot of your spiritual gifts that you've always had. And that brought in a whole other layer to my work. But then around last year, I realized like, yeah, I've got this issue of gender because I'm not addressing that. And it's not just women who have, who have periods, who experience perimenopause, which has become a passion of mine in the last year as well, who go through these hormonal changes that I'm addressing. People who identify beyond women are going through these things too, and yet I'm not talking to them. Mm-hmm. So that's when I decided to drop gender from my business. And, and that's why I no longer, it's, it's one of the primary reasons why I don't call myself a women's health coach anymore, because I want to also be here for, for non-binary folk, for non-gender conforming folk, for, you know, trans folk, you know, and I think that in, in the last year, we've seen that if you don't come out and say who you're here for in, in very plain language, People don't know if they can trust you. At least that's what I've experienced. So that's kind of my new challenge. And I feel like even though it's been, you know, since the start of Delight in Wellness, it's been nearly 10 years, there are always things in my business where I will feel like I am still a novice and still a beginner, but that's what keeps things fresh and I'm a lifelong learner. That's one of my strengths. So I never want to get to the point where I feel like I know it all because I know that I don't. And that's a really scary place to be if you think that you've reached the point where you no longer have to look at yourself with curiosity. That's been my evolution. I told you it would be a very long answer, but (laughs) I hope that you enjoyed my TED Talk.
<laughs> That's so interesting from the from the prayers that you talked about at your dinner table to your father, you know, instilling a sense of let's meditate and take that minute to be calm before the craziness that can happen in day to day. And then all the way through, I mean, you know, thank you for the work that you are doing with, you know, non-binary people, trans people that are in a state of transition, whatever way in their life, because it's so important that there are people like you in the world helping everyone. So I just want to say thank you from, you know, my behalf to that as well. When you're talking about all of those different stages that you went through from the first business, you know, a long time ago, a decade ago, almost to now, and you've had to change and evolve. And you said, you know, you you felt tension and all those things. How have you actually gone through the self-doubt that might come up for anyone who's going through transition? I know I've had plenty of self-doubt when I've moved to certain offerings in my business or when I've, you know, stepped out into the spotlight a bit more or putting out a book or other things like that. Have you got, aside from the learning, of course, which is a part of it, because you can look at, you know, how did other people do this or or what have other people you know, done in situations where things have been uncertain. But for you, and I guess for people listening to this, how have you dealt with the self-doubt that creeps up when you are switching from, you know, say for instance, the fertility kind of coaching and, and mentoring, you know, someone could look at you from the outside and be like, well, that's a that's a great, you know, ongoing source of income for you that everyone's trying to get pregnant all the time. That's never going to be in, you know, it's like funeral services. There's always going to be a need for people to try and get pregnant and there's always going to be a need on the other side of life as well. So how did you kind of go past, oh my gosh, that's a really safe or secure thing and now I'm going to try something else a bit different? To be honest, a lot of it is divine guidance because my ego did not want to leave. (laughs) But the universe will always send you signs when you're not on the right path. and things that should drive your business forward, opportunities, you know, I was getting a lot of attention and yet I wasn't feeling fulfilled. It's that feeling. (laughs) Sometimes you just have to trust the feeling. And if it starts feeling like it's not for you, even though all signs say you made the right decision, If it feels wrong, then it probably is wrong. And I know that the doubt that I experienced from what I call the kind of thinking brain override, (laughs) you know, when my mind is doing cartwheels, trying to convince me of something, but my body is in pain or I am having trouble waking up in the morning or I just kind of feel like I'm dragging myself through the motions, even though I can pretend to be enthusiastic, my body always knows. And the self-doubt that can creep in is often just that ego mind who doesn't like change. You know, even when it's a positive change, the ego mind doesn't like change. You know, Eartha Kitt, the actress, and singer Eartha Kid is one of my kind of I call her a guiding rebel, and you know she says life is always going to be full of challenges, and if you don't like challenges, then you need to get out. And I think, yeah, you know, it's always going to be a challenge, and there's always going to be doubt, and there's always going to be fear. But without those things, 
you really can't be an entrepreneur. You can't be in this game because it's anything but secure. And you can even, you know, you can be financially secure, but anytime you have a new idea, there's always risk. Anytime you want to try something new, you know, you feel guided towards it. You're not sure how it's going to go, but I don't want to get to the end of my life thinking, oh, I wish I had pursued that idea Mm -hmm. because that's the doubt that gets you. The doubt over things that you really knew you wanted and you didn't pursue because you talked yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. And so much of life, I think we've gotten into a situation where in parts our life is we, we think our life is supposed to be comfortable in all parts, you know, in a relationship, oh, he should be the perfect person or she should be the perfect person or, in a, you know, like we've gotten into a stage of being comfortable in so much of our life <laughs> that when we have to be uncomfortable, it's almost like, oh, do I really want to go there? And it's like, yeah, you, you need to in order to grow, just like a muscle needs to like tear a bit in order to get stronger. And we need to be willing to be a beginner. I think that's one mm. of the challenges as you progress in your career you don't want to be a beginner again. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I hear that all the time. Oh, I'm 40 or I'm 50. I don't want to start again. And it's like, yeah, but it's not, it's, it's starting the next exciting thing that's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love, I love that. Thank you. And I do also agree that the universe shows up in lots of different ways, but another thing that you talk about, and you've talked about it just earlier when you said sort of what you're doing a lot more of is about periods and menopause. (laughs) They're (laughs) things that, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be thinking I'm going to talk about on a business podcast, but you work with a lot of people who are in a stage of burnout and who've never really sort of looked at their own health as something to prioritize outside of potentially, oh, I've got to lose some weight, but really looking at the holistic health. Why do you think that this is? Because we are bombarded with health slash, you can't see me, but I've got it in inverted commas, kind of, you know, Fitzbo and, you know, so many athleisure wear brands and like, it's all around us, this kind of surface level health, but still so many people never really dive into what is health for me. And why do you think that is right now, especially in the entrepreneur land or, you know, coaching or so many, why do you think that is? And I guess, what do you think people could do as the first step if they are feeling like they're experiencing burnout? Yeah. Well, most of what we think of as health is firmly rooted in ableism and capitalism, to be honest. You Mm. know, how do you sell things to people? You make them think that something's wrong and you play on those doubts, you know, you play on those pain points and that's not how I sell, but like if we look at mass marketing, that's especially when it comes to health and wellness, it's a lot of you're this way, you shouldn't be that way. So buy our product and we'll make you better. Playing on people's fears of insecurity and fat phobia. And I, you know, obviously separate myself from that in all forms. And I think it's just, it really does go back to fear of the female body and wanting us to constantly be distracted and divided 
And we are just conditioned from the beginning. Those of us who have been socialized as women were conditioned from the beginning to care very much about the exterior and have no or very little knowledge about what actually contributes to our health. You know, my typical client has been on every single diet you can imagine and yet does not know the basics of her menstrual cycle, does not know what actually happens during perimenopause, does not know what contributes to a full, rich lifestyle once you cross that threshold, you know, in that last third of your life, what's actually going to contribute to heart health, bone health, brain health, the things that actually you know, make us feel vibrant. We're not taught that. We're taught how to be pretty, which is also a word I reject. <laughs> you know, how to be pretty, how to stay young, because who wants to ever age? How to constantly pursue a certain size even if that size is not what our body wants to be. And it's not a coincidence that a lot of the women who had the perfect body, you know, now it's my turn to do the inverted commas, the perfect body in their 20s are the ones who struggle most with their fertility in their 30s. Mm-hmm. Because the, the image that we're constantly shown is, you know, of women who are below their ideal body weight. And yet we're said that, that you know, we're told that's healthy working out at the gym, even though we are already depleted, but feeling like we're, you know, we're killing ourselves at the gym, you know, and that's healthy. Mm-hmm. And we, you, at one point you have to look around and think like, how is that actually contributing to my health? How mm-hmm. is constantly working against my body and severing that connection between my body and mind? How is that contributing to my well-being, you know, and, and the truth is that it's, it's not, obviously. For me, a lot of what I do is I help my clients get back to basics and go beyond all of that messaging and also go beyond this idea that health exists with a particular product or, you know, marketing scheme, that it really is something that you get to discover and experiment with. And it's really this process of reacquainting yourself with your body as something that isn't outside of yourself anymore. It's something that you deeply trust and you know how to nourish yourself both with, you know, food, with movement, with rest, with opportunities for connection and love and you're in a place to to really receive that as well and so it doesn't become this head game of how much do I eat today how many calories have I had is that organic is that you know whatever it's I trust myself I know how to nourish myself and I'm okay I've got this I really believe that health starts when you feel like you are your own expert And you repair that relationship between your body and mind. So they get working together again. And you know that you've always got your back, that you're your best ally. For me, that's a huge component of health and wellness. And that's what I try to give my clients. Wow. And I, I, oh, there's so much of what you just said that we could just be here for hours, but I feel like it's so true. We don't learn 
anything about our menstrual cycle except to shun away from it and like hide it and you know that it's dirty or it's taboo or don't talk about tampons in front of anyone you know like it's we're just so conditioned from a very early age and then also I think you know regardless of of gender when you get into small business as well or run running a business of any kind it's just so again external things outside like how much are you earning how big are you what does your office look like what do you look like on social media like all these things as opposed to really aligning like you're talking about the mind and the body and what am I doing today for my business but also what am I doing today for my health because if you don't have your health you you won't have a business no matter how successful it is you know your health is everything as cliche as that sounds yeah but that's you know often my biggest competition is you know, it's not other health and wellness coaches, it's business coaches. Mm, we could go in a boxing ring. Just kidding. Yeah. But my point is we have this idea of, okay, I'm going to invest in my business. And then once I have that money, then I'll invest in my health. Mm. Not realizing that you can't grow your business to that point that you envision without your health. Mm-hmm. What is the point of having a successful business if you are dealing with chronic issues that keep you sidelined? And I am, you know, saying that from the perspective of someone who has a chronic issue that I've had to learn to work with and it doesn't sideline me, but it's there all of the time. It's something I have to take into consideration every day because if I push myself too hard, then my body responds with a, with a flare. And that's, you know, me on the floor, not being able to move, which is not a good situation when you're a single mother in a foreign country running your own business. So obviously I have to, I have to respect the needs of my body before the needs of my business sometimes and know when to say that's enough, (laughs) even though I want to go a lot faster with things, where am I going faster towards if it involves sacrificing my health? Mm-hmm. It's not a ride I want to be on. Yeah. And also it just, uh, I just always remember being with my dad at the, you know, towards the end of his life and he'd sold his house, he'd sold all these things. And I remember like looking at his bank balance with him doing like getting him into his online banking and being like, dad. And he was just like laughing and being like, oh, this is the most money I've ever had but I can't do anything. You know, I'm too sick mm. to do this. I can't walk. I can't do that. My health, you know, like I was like, it's just, it's like that Alanis Morissette ironic song or whatever it was called. But yeah, it's yeah. just like, that's the thing. People are working so hard and I want to build a financial success path for my children and everything else. But it's like, if you crash, that's going to be the first thing that like your health is the most important. Nothing else matters if your health isn't there. So yeah, completely, completely agree with you. And hence, I think everyone should, should have a session with Chalinda. <laughs> I have to say though, you know, like invest in the business coach because that also will help <laughs> you. When we talk about stress, wow, is there a lot of stress as an entrepreneur when you're trying to figure everything out on your own, you know? So yes, definitely do both. But don't think that when you achieve your business goals, you're suddenly going to get the magic wand of of health as a reward. You know, because mm-hmm. when we talk about burnout, a lot of times people think, well, when I reach that level of success that I'm working towards, then everything will fall into place and I'll get I'll get time to rest. You know, all these things that I've been ignoring, all these 
niggles of that my body's saying like warning, warning, that's just going to resolve itself because I'll finally be able to relax because I've reached mm-hmm. the pinnacle and, you know, the body's going to do what it's going to do when it wants to do it. regardless of how successful you think you are you know and that's the thing about success it's always moving Mm -hmm. you know if I if I saw where I am now even five years ago I would think wow are you successful and you know now today I think gosh what am I not doing what like I, I still need to do more 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 you know and that's, that's dangerous, mm-hmm. you know? So bottom line, your health will contribute to the success of your business and the success of your business will contribute to your health. It's a, you know, mutual relationship. And so you need both. <laughs> I completely, completely agree. And yeah, I can't stress it enough. I do think, yes, I agree with you that yes, people need business coaches, <laughs> And you can't do these things alone, but yeah, your health is is absolutely number one. Another thing I wanted to ask you about and that we've had various conversations around is about things like equality and race and, you know, being a woman of African-American heritage that you are. It's also something that you're very focal on. And even when you talked about before, you know, really being there for other parts of society that potentially mainstream wellness coaches may not, wellness mentors may not be like, you know, when you're talking about trans people and people transitioning into different parts of, of who they are. So Mm. I know that, you know, it's been a very tough 18 months or a year or 14 months for most people in the world going through COVID, but particularly, I think more so in a way for anyone who has is a person of color because of everything that got brought up almost a year ago now with George Floyd's death in the US. And I know we've talked about this to make, you know, I know I'm a cis white woman asking you for help. And I I know that that can be a horrible, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but (laughs) trying to ask you for, for help with this. But I do know that we've had lots of conversations around race and I know that you talk about that a lot. And that's also a huge part of health. Like health also encompasses mental health, not just physical health. But I'm wondering how people can move with all the goodness that they wanted to do in the world based on the learning from last year, but thinking about how can they be part of real change and how can they show up authentically as themselves, business owners, whether they're black or Asian or white or anything, what advice might you give to someone who's listening to this and is thinking, based on everything that happened last year, I wanted to create a more diverse workforce or I wanted to, you know, be more inclusive to all types of different people, but they haven't been, you know, really committing to that. Or maybe they've done part of it, but they haven't done all of it. I know that you're quite passionate about this. So I'm wondering if there's any advice that you would offer to any skin color person listening that is trying to really show up in their business in an authentic way. Does that even make sense? Yeah. But I do think that like the answers have to be different because, you know, when you talk about it's been a year and how am I committing and, you know, the work that I'm doing and, you know, that that's for white people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because that is a choice. If you have a choice, whether or not you want to deal with racism, then you are white. Mm -hmm. If it's not a choice, then it's because you're not white. Because this is something that 
regardless of the privilege that you experience as a person of color. And I say that because I am a woman of color who grew up with incredible privileges. I mean, I went to an Ivy League school. My first car was a Range Rover, you know, (laughs) but at the end of the day, I, especially here, you know, in Spain, they don't know anything about that. And in the States, that also does not matter because you're still, you're still black. You know, when it comes to, if you are a white person and you have felt like you wanted to do more, then like the first thing is, are you really committed to the work of anti-racism and have you sought out anti-racist educators to pay to help you (laughs) Mm -hmm. because reading a book, especially those books that have been written by other white people about their experiences, that's not going to cut it, you know? And anytime we're examining privilege and as a person of color, I've also examined my own privilege when it comes to, you know, you know, for me, gender is a privilege, for example, Mm -hmm. because I am a cisgender woman. Although even saying that I've kind of in, in the past year, I've realized I'm more non-gender conforming, but you know, at the end of the day, I'm comfortable with this body and I don't know what it's like to want to have a different one, but, and, and for me, that's a privilege, you know, but if you're a person of color and you're thinking like, how can I be, how can I be more committed? You know, a lot of it is, is giving yourself opportunities for rest because you can't have resistance without rest. A lot of these systems have been built on the idea that we're always going to do 110% because we were raised by people who that's the only way that they had to survive is by doing more than was expected of them. And we carry that within us, you know, so it's kind of like, you know, especially when we talk about burnout, living under these systems of oppression is a constant source of stress and fuels our burnout because so many people of color, especially, you know, professionals, entrepreneurs, we don't realize that what we're doing is exceptional a lot of the time, you know, We don't know what average is because we've never given that opportunity to just be average. Mm. We've always been striving. You know, we've always been striving to get noticed, to be part of the conversation, to we've been the only people who look like us in a room and we've had to adjust ourselves, engage in emotional labor that wasn't ours to engage in. And so a lot of these things we do automatically and we don't even realize. So For us, it's kind of realizing where have I given myself away Mm. and what behaviors have I taken on that I need to kind of let go of and can I feel safe in letting them go? Because so many of them are so ingrained as survival strategies. But, you know, also realizing that we always have the power to vote with our you know, dollars or pounds or, you know, wherever in the world you are. And if you see, you know, a corporation who is not taking a stance against racism, against, you know, 
white supremacy, who are constantly supporting people who are also very vocal about things that you find abhorrent and you you know 100% that they are not for you, then, you know, stop buying things from them. Look at like who's on the board and write letters, go to Twitter, you know, mention them by name. That's also something that is important for them to see that it's going to affect their bottom line if they don't change their practices. But the short answer to your question is if you're a white person, then know that your work involves working with an anti-racist educator, and I am not one, (laughs) but working with an anti-racist educator, paying them for their time, going through, you know, whether it be their course or their live program or their, you know, showing up for the, you know, one-on-one session and constantly acknowledging that, like, if, if it's a choice for me, then I'm experiencing privilege in some way. You know, if this is something that I can choose to do or not, then I'm already coming at it from the point of privilege. And if you're a person of color, then, you know, to know that it's not your job to do the work of anti-racist education, that it's not your job to constantly prove everyone wrong, you know, with your excellence, because that's, that's how racism works you know it makes you feel like you have something to make up for when you're really fine all all along but in that constant compensation or constant striving you you burn yourself out mm. you wear yourself down and you can't be the most potent version of yourself that you were meant to mm. thank you for I mean, as always, it's such a considered and heartfelt response, Fede. I feel like it's really helpful and, and thank you for me. Thank you for on my behalf as well. I also think you gave so many great, such great advice as well for anyone listening who is a person of colour. And also just on the last point, like I think uh, I heard someone the other day say that the, I don't remember where I was listening to it, but they said the opposite of depression is not happiness, it's vitality. And I think like that's what you've just picked up on there. There's just this pushing of yourself constantly, you know, how can you have vitality at the same time? Well, I mean, you know, speaking of choice, most of us were raised by people who did not have a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, And when I think to my father, who's a brilliant man, and, you know, he grew up at a time when black men who, you know, had his same talents and Brilliance were literally killed. And, you know, we're still seeing that today. But, you know, when I think of when he was a teenager and and the things that, you know, it was just a constant state of fear for, we're talking about the 1950s, you know, in the United States. Constant state of fear of what's going to happen to me if I just live in the way that everyone else is living. And that's why racism is a constant state of stress because it makes you feel like you will suffer consequences for just being alive. 
you know, obviously as someone who's never felt that, you know, like it, that's the thing that it just, I feel like we just, we, I'm saying me as a white person, just keep, we just keep needing to uncover and uncover and uncover and uncover all the layers of privilege because it's just, it's never ending. Once you start opening it up, you're like, okay, why do I think this? Or I have, I've never questioned that. I remember talking to a very close person last year and, and saying, you know, they had said, oh, I'd like to be referred to as this as a person of colour. And I, I said, okay. And then, and then they stopped the conversation and just said, oh, I just want to ask you, Fiona, when have you ever been asked what you would like to be referred to? And I was like, never. Mm-hmm. I've never, ever been asked that. And it was a real, you know, because you, you just go along with your blinkers on it. And what you've just said then, it's just so powerful, like just wanting to live like everybody else. Yeah. And, you know, like that's why for me bringing in, you know, those issues of not, you know, not just race, but also gender has has been critical for me because if you notice, especially in the online space, and if you if you notice in the menstrual health space, the same coaches who refuse to talk about gender refuse to talk about people of color as well. Mm-hmm. And it's really about honoring humanity, you know, at the core of it, it's honoring humanity. And a lot of people, when they hear the word white supremacy or the phrase white supremacy, they, they think, you know, well, that's not me. Mm. I don't participate in that. We all are in it. You know? mm-hmm. That's the standard, you know, that's the standard that we have to move away from, but that's, that's the standard. So if you think that you're not, you're not part of white supremacy, then, you know, look at the images that you're constantly surrounded by. Mm-hmm. Look at how, when you want to find a stock photo, for example, you know, and you type in woman who pops up, mm-hmm. you know, I have to go out of my way to search for people who look like me, you know, extend that even further and think, you know, in the health and wellness space, for example, when do you ever see images of people who are not able-bodied, you know, or who are differently abled? Mm. They're not included in the conversation because no one wants to be them. Mm. We're taught that health is like this thing that, you know, looks a certain way that is like free of disease, you know, and it's very much like, based on your individual choices. Mm -hmm. And so if you make all the right choices, then you'll avoid being that, you know, the, the person who's chronically ill, the person who's differently able, the person who's disabled. And that's also something that has to be addressed because it's really just about seeing the world in one way and anyone who's not in that, you're not valid. Mm. Your experience isn't valid. And so that's why in my business, I've also moved away from, from calling myself a health coach because it's a term that doesn't encompass a whole lot of people who still can experience wellness. Mm. Yeah. I, I don't know if you've ever read the book, My Body, The Body is Not an Apology. Yeah. By Sonia Renee Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like I remember reading that last year, a friend had recommended it. And yeah, just that idea of like, there's so much that it's almost like people are apologizing for, you know, 
sorry, your doorways are not built properly so that everyone can get into this restaurant. Or so, you know, like it's just, yeah. sorry, I'm sorry, I'm bigger than I should be and I'm taking up too much space. Or, you know, like there's just this, yeah, yeah that's such a. And yet we're in the majority. Mm. It's like we're taught to hide these things about ourselves that actually put us more in the, the norm than, than take us out of it. You and I, when I'm in a group of people, the majority of us have something that we're, that we're struggling with or that we've been made to feel is different or not allowed, you know? Yeah. Mental health issues, physical health issues. And yet we're constantly told that if we're not the standard, then we're less than. Yes. That's just BS. Total. I am not the standard and I will, you know, I was born not being the standard because I was born with a a club foot. I was, you know, Mm. which is something that until the last 10 years, I fiercely rejected about myself, you know, and that's the thing. It's like these things that you're born with that make you, you, that you're taught to fear, that you're taught to reject, that you're taught to hide. And yet you're never going to get another version of yourself. Mm. You only have this one body that goes with you for as long as you're alive. And so, you know, learning to embrace that goes beyond just, you know, self-love. It's really dismantling these systems of oppression within yourself so that you can see yourself for who you really are Mm. and not who you've been conditioned to think you are. Yeah. And that you can just live now rather than this whole, like, I'll put that on hold until I'm, I'm there or I'm this way or I'm, yeah. In the same way that people do in business as well. Like I'll celebrate, you know, once I have something big enough to celebrate, not just the small little steps that, you know, should be celebrated as well. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Another thing I wanted to ask you is that like you mentioned before or that we talked about at the start, you are from the US but you live in Spain and you started your business in a country that, you know, you didn't grow up in and you started after having your gorgeous son, Leonard, as well. Although when I'm learning about this earlier business, that was well before he was born, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So how difficult was it starting a business in another country as well as, you know, raising your child with your husband, now ex-husband, but how did you stay motivated when I'm sure there must have been times when you just wanted to kind of give up or get a job or let someone else worry about, I know I've lived in another country, but I lived in another country where it's very, very similar to where I live now. So it's the same yeah. language and same, very similar cultures, but you're in a completely different language country. How did you start the business and how did you kind of keep yourself going when you when everything was just very different to what you'd grown up in? Yeah, that first year was tough. (laughs) I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was because I didn't know, you know, when I talk about delight and wellness, I mean, that was a hobby, you know, when you, when you, is this a, is this this or a hobby? And I will say that was a hobby because I had a full-time job and I was dabbling. I didn't really dive into the deep end until when was that? 2016, 2017. And I had to learn a whole new way of doing things, what it meant to be self-employed in Spain and figure out the tax system. And am I going to market to people here or am I going to use my network 
you know, Australia and the States and Europe, you know, and smaller things like, as I said, when I first started as a fertility coach, which is something that people are hearing about more and more now, but 2016, not so much, you know, so just Mm. like, and what is it that you do? And introducing myself, you know, back when we could still meet in person, always that feeling of, I'm not going to be taken seriously because I'm not an endocrinologist or I'm not an embryologist or I'm not an OBGYN, you know, that's something that like took a long time for me to get over that I have very different, a very different skill set and very different gifts than an allopathic physician. And, and that's okay. <laughs> you know, I don't have to pretend that I'm trying to, to do that job because I'm not, but there's always this kind of, you know, I think whenever you go all in, you're going to experience that feeling of resistance and those voices of, should you really be doing this? And I remember, you know, I was earning money and I, I had, you know, clients consistently, but I was still looking on websites for English teachers. Or I think there was a, one point I was like, maybe I, c- I can earn extra money transcribing things. I mean, just, ra- you know, random things. I was like, what if this doesn't work? And, you know, thankfully, I, even though they weren't physically here, I did have the support of my family and that's something that, you know, I'll share because I felt an incredible sense of shame around it. And for anyone listening who might be in a similar position, I don't want you to feel shame. So I'll share mine that, you know, there were months where my parents had to help because I was starting my own business after getting divorced while raising a three-year-old. And that was a lot. And sometimes you've got to look at your support system and instead of judging it as, oh God, you know, if I, if I were smarter, if I were more talented, if I, you know, had my stuff together, you know, I wouldn't be in this position. Just be grateful. Hmm. You know, be grateful that you have people who believe in you and who will help you through those difficult times because a lot of people don't. And, you know, when I say I come from a privilege, I mean, that is a huge privilege that I have a family who, you know, I'm an only child and my parents have always believed in me, even when I didn't believe in myself, which has been a tremendous gift. And if there's someone in your life who has said like, I really believe in your idea and I'll help you with that, whatever you need, then just accept that as a tremendous gift and part of your journey, as opposed to, I don't need that because I should be able to figure this out on my own. And if I'm not figuring it out on my own, then I'm failing because that's how I talk to myself, you know, when I was first starting out and it wasn't necessary. <laughs> mm. It wasn't necessary. Thank you so much for sharing that because I just know I was just nodding right along. <laughs> like yes, yes, in so many ways. Yeah, I've done that too. I've 
yeah, my sister has sent money to me at, you know, at various times in my life or my, you know, like I just think we are incredibly privileged, but it might not even be financial. It could just be someone saying, hey, I'm happy to sit with you and go through your finances because I've got the expertise in that. Or, hey, I'm happy to show you how this platform works because I use it all the time. And I think, yeah, sometimes we can get in the whole defense mode of like, I'm not charity or, you know, you don't have to yeah. help me. And yeah. And even like I've had people contact me on Instagram and I've said to them, I'm happy to jump on the phone with you and go through this. And I am aware of not wanting to come across like, oh, you know, I'm pitying you or, or anything like that. I think it's yeah. really, really important what you've just said. Just accept it and take it as a gift. Mm. Yeah, because they don't come around all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. They don't. And yeah, and, and also what other people would give to that as well. Like, you know, we, we're so lucky to have, have those types of people in our lives. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, because so, this comes up with my clients a lot. And, I, and it is also something that contributes to burnout is this, you know, reluctance to receive, you know. Mm-hmm. And every time I refuse to receive, I rob someone of the opportunity to give. And so many people love to give. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what makes them feel fulfilled when they have the opportunity to to help, to support. We don't have to think of ourselves as a burden if we are involved in that exchange. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll be on the other side and we'll have the opportunity to offer something like, you know, just as you said, be willing to to accept help in all forms mm-hmm. and and give it too. Yes. And speaking of help, how or who has sort of helped you with building your business? I know that you you have mentioned the life coaching course that you've done or the beautiful you. And I know you're, you're quite friendly with the woman who's the founder of that. Are there other people or say mentors or courses or books or anything that sort of, you know, a song or anything that sort of helped you build your businesses, do you think? Training with beautiful you coaching academy was life-changing mm-hmm. and in so many ways, but going through their, their core program was a real journey of self-development. And it finally gave me the confidence that I needed to really go out on that limb <laughs> because that's where I, I was before training with them. I had gone through other courses that focused on building a business as a coach, but I didn't believe in myself. And I didn't think that I, that I could do it. And after going through the beautiful you training, you know, I, I not only left with tools for helping my clients, but I saw myself differently mm-hmm. and I knew how to better engage with my inner critic, you know? So I mean, that, that, that is a huge shift when, you hear the voices of the inner critic, but you're able to say, sit down, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Not today. Because I have other things that I want to get done besides listen to you. So that was, you know, also the the journey that I mentioned, you know, the 14-month journey that I, I did through Priestess Temple School and my mentors in that. That was also that was pivotal for me and just working with my own coaches and we work together as well, Fiona, you know, with the tables turned. Uh, 
you don't have to mention that. <laughs> I'm literally asking for your other, you know, no need to mention that. But thank you. Thank but you. but yeah, you know, you've you've been my coach at one point and but you know, I have always invested in coaches and mentors and in the last year it's been really very healing for me to work with other women of color to have those people that I can go to when I can say like, yeah, you see what's going on. Like it, I'm, it's not just me. I'm, I'm not crazy. And like, yeah, you're not, you know, we see it too because coaching is, you know, it's dominated by, by whiteness mm-hmm. and a lot of white people who have not done the work, who will not do the work and who refuse to see things differently. And sometimes that can make you feel really just tired and, <laughs> and knocked around and feeling like I'm doing all the stuff that I'm supposed to be doing. Why, why aren't I experiencing the same results? And it's really important to have those people and those connections that you can go to and, you know, even if, if that doesn't apply to you, I think anytime that you're a leader in your field, you always need spaces where you can be vulnerable and you can be at the beginning again, because that's how you stay fresh (laughs) and really in touch with what you want for yourself and for your business and for your next evolution. So to condense my answer, I would just say, keep investing in people. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Buy all the books, you know, you can't see it, but I've got, you know, so many books (laughs) behind me and I I'm an avid reader, but invest in people and invest in community and know that you don't have to do this thing alone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I completely agree with you that I have my own business coaches and I'm part of a mastermind in the U S and yeah, definitely feel like you need to invest in yourself as well. And I think it's also really important what you said about the last year and, and working with women of color and people of color. I definitely champion that. And I think that there's, there's, if you're listening to this and you're in Australia and you are a person of color, there is a sort of newer business that's coming up called We Are The Movement. And they specialize in, in helping people build, you know, their careers and also look at, look after their mental health, people of color. So uh, seek those places out. And if anyone has any recommendations, please let us know so we can include that in the show notes for our podcast and on our social media as well. But The other thing I wanted to ask you is, can you tell us a bit about the Well Rebel Collective, talking about people investing in themselves? What is a rebel in your opinion? And then also, yeah, what is the Well Rebel Collective? Mm. Well, for me, a rebel is a change maker. (laughs) A rebel is someone who refuses to live by the rules and is constantly questioning like, why are things done this way? And does this work for me? Independent of what everyone says should work for me. Does it feel right for me? Does it align with my, with my vision for my life? And if not having the freedom to say, not for me, I'm moving on. It's really, uh, 
an inner, an inner knowing and an inner confidence and an inner trust so that you're not constantly looking for external references of how you should be, how you should feel, how you should think. It's, you know, constantly taking, like looking for other perspectives, but coming back to what's right for me and my life. That would be my definition of, of a rebel. And the Well Rebel Collective uh, is my paid membership. And I only take five people each month because unlike other memberships that I have been involved in, I really want to know each and every one mm-hmm. <laughs> of the people who's there. And it also includes group coaching. So when you sign up, you get the opportunity to be coached twice a month in a group of other people who are on the same journey. And, you know, I offer groups in Australia. I'm thinking of the the members. They're in Australia. They're in in the States. I have one from South America, the UK, Europe, you know, so I try to accommodate everyone. And it really does feel like a family Mm -hmm. because I've noticed that in the last year, when I join a Facebook group, or an online community, I'm really reluctant to participate because, not because I don't have things to say, because obviously I do, (laughs) but because I don't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so for me, my priority is always on creating safe, sacred spaces for people to feel truly seen and heard. That doesn't happen by accident. So yeah, that's Well Rebel Collective. I call it a group for badass visionaries who want to redefine their relationship with wellness. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're about. So they're also the only ones who have access to one-off sessions with me. So that's, that's also been a change because I used Mm -hmm. to do one-off 90 minute sessions for everyone. And now the first opportunity to work with me, if you're not part of Well Rebel is my power pack which is three two-hour sessions. And then I also have a six-month mentorship for those who really want to go in deep and explore you know, everything that is both contributing and taking away from, from their wellness as a human being. Hmm. Well, we will definitely link to all of those things in the show notes. And I can't say it enough that like I really do thank you Jolinda for the times we've worked together you have made so many changes in my life happen purely because you you questioned me and you were like well what would this look like and what would that look like and <laughs> put, put ideas in my head and now I'm doing my oracle cards and all the things <laughs> that you introduced me to my goodness like a long time ago but yeah so so thank you so so much when you're looking at your business now, is there anything you would have done differently if you were just starting out with the knowledge that you have now? Yeah, for sure. I uh, would have reached out for help sooner. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I would have started delegating things sooner. And I think that it's, it can be really scary to say, one, I need to spend this money to make this money. Mm-hmm. especially when you feel like you don't have a lot of money at the start. But I tried to do everything entirely on my own for for too long. And 
you know, to be honest, there's still a lot that I do myself. You know, I'm not over here saying like, and my graphic designer that I have on retainer. <laughs> <laughs> but so when I started working with my virtual assistant, that could have happened like two years prior. You mm-hmm. know? So really looking at the things that are not in your zone of genius and prioritizing, like getting those off your plate. And it might not even be something in your business. If you know, it could be hiring someone to help you with housework, you know, cause that's a, that's something that takes away our energy a lot is just, especially when you work in the online world, sometimes this happens to me, I get so involved in my projects and, you know, sucked into the screen. And then I look around my apartment and I think, whoa, who's living here? (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, who's got to do it? You know, you've got to find that extra energy to do all the things. And, and then you're coming at your business the next day with less. So, you know, I would have delegated sooner. I would have asked for help sooner. And I would have released the shame I had around doing both of those things sooner. Mm, Such a great answer. And I just, yeah, I totally agree with you. I feel like, yep, just asking for help is the biggest hurdle sometimes. And you're making that hurdle yourself because we are refusing to ask for help or thinking, again, that whole idea of I'll do it when I get to this. I'll do it when I'm big enough for yeah, all of these things we tell ourselves. And then I guess I'd also love to know, what are you most proud of from your journey, you know, owning and running your own small business? I am most proud of still being here, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I could have quit. I could have quit many, many times. And I am proud that I have continue to build a business based on my values, not hiding from what I know to be true so that I can be more palatable and doing it with my son watching me the whole time, you know, so that he doesn't think like I did that there are certain things that men did and certain things that women did. And he sees me doing everything. (laughs) He doesn't really know what's uh, a woman's role in the house or a man's role in the house because he's just got me. And so he sees me earning the money. He sees me fixing the stuff. He sees me, you know, in the kitchen and he comes with me and he, you know, I teach him how to make simple things for himself, you know, and I'm really proud that, that that's the experience that, that I'm giving him because it hasn't been easy, but it's definitely been worth it. And yeah, on a, just on a superficial note, I was recently awarded something that I, I was nominated for a few years ago. So I received a coaching award last month and I'm really proud of that because it's an acknowledgement of my evolution and taking those risks and seeing all of those parts of myself that I didn't want to see in previous years. So yeah, that's something that I'm, that I'm celebrating, that I'm acknowledging as well. <laughs> and so you should, and it's definitely not superficial. I, I only wish that we didn't have these COVID restrictions and that you could have come to Australia. I, think, and, I know. Like and I celebrated. 
Yes. Like I did. Yes. I remember when you did that. was when we just started working together, I think 2017 or 2018, but 2018, yeah, 2018 yeah. massive, massive congratulations on that. And Thank we'll you. link to that in the show notes and we'll link to the, the places that you've mentioned as well. And so other things we'll link to in the show notes are places that people can connect with you. So if people are listening to this and thinking, you know, oh gosh, she sounds like a woman who's someone that I could use in my life, like everyone should, how can they connect with you? Where is the best place that people can connect with you? And I guess what's next for you as well? The best place to connect with me is on Instagram. That's where I'm most active, Coach Jalinda. And my website, jalindajohnson.com. Yeah, what's next? I want to continue building Well Rebel. And I will be offering a new program specifically for people going through the perimenopausal transition. That's also next. Um I I recently became a faculty member of Feminist Coach Academy, so I'll be delivering a, a class around, well, basically burnout through an intersectional feminist lens. So I'm excited about that. And yeah, I uh, will eventually write a book. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a given. That's a given, but I'm not sure when. So I'm just... I know that what's meant for me will always be there for me, but for anyone who's listening and you feel like you've got to do all the things all the time, you know, take a breath and it's okay to go slow. <laughs> it's, it's okay to focus on, you know, what's in front of you and have that big vision, but to not race towards it. Because I think that these days we're just surrounded by so many different examples of success and it looks like things happen instantly, you know, that whatever we want, it's, it's just a matter of time management. And, you know, we've all come through a very difficult year and we have to make space for that too. You know, I, and for me, it's not always a question of time as much as capacity. Do I have the capacity to do this right now? And that can be a hard question because a lot of times the answer is no. <laughs> But we have to we have to be gentle with ourselves and we have to give ourselves space to rest and recover and and also to to dream. You know, and, and that often happens in those spaces where we're we're not we're not being productive. Just wanted to share that for anyone who's listening and has big goals. It's okay to to take things slow. Yes, I agree. And I often refer back to this. Arthur Ashe quote, and he said, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. And I think Mother Teresa also has a quote similar to that. But, yeah, that whole, or, you know, on quotes, Oprah, her whole, you can do it all but not all at once. So I feel like, yeah, just reminding ourselves of that. It's a really good reminder. Thank you. And thank you for being on the podcast and thank you for just providing so much wisdom as always. I know that Every time I did coaching with you, I would often be sort of rush, rush, and then get to the, you know, because of the time difference, we'd have it in the evenings here. And I'd get on and think, oh gosh, you know, and then we, <laughs> within a few minutes, I'd feel so relaxed and you just brought me back to myself and into what's important. So thank you so, so, so much. Oh, it's been my pleasure to be here, Fiona. Thank you for having me. Thank you and take care and enjoy the rest of your day. 
<laughs> you too. Thank you. Oh, this conversation, it just, yeah, reminded me so much of the coaching sessions that I used to do with Jolinda. As I said earlier, I worked with her twice in 2017, the end of 2017, and then again in 2020. Yeah, listening to her now, I just feel that same sense of calm and peace and just sort of motivation to want to look after, you know, mind, body, spirit connection. So I'd love to know from you what you took away from my chat with Jolinda Johnson today. For me, two things really stood out from the chat. One being that things will change and evolve with your business and you have to be open to that. And I loved how Jolinda talked about her business journey starting, you know, a decade ago in a kind of different part of the overall health idea. So, you know, she talked about starting with, you know, different types of foods to eat and nutrition and all the things that she'd been trained in. And then she's evolved and evolved and evolved and she's evolved as a person. And then in turn with that, so has her business. And I think that's a really important lesson that when you're starting out, don't feel like, oh, I'm starting this business. It's set in concrete. It has to be like this for the next 10 years. It doesn't. In my own business, this is my sixth year. It has definitely (laughs) changed and evolved as I have grown as a person and as I have changed and evolved. And even, you know, this year, I'm sure I'll be learning new things and being part of things that I haven't been before, which will again, you know, up-level me and allow me to then share those trainings or those different parts of myself that I've learned about with my clients. And so again, the business evolves. So don't be scared of that. And I think Jolinda is a great example of taking something that you want to do and then sort of moving with it as you grow and evolve as a person. And then the second thing that she spoke about, which I have really had to do a lot more in my life, is accepting help. I think that was such a huge one. And I know from so many small business owners that I work with that, you know, it's a really hard thing, particularly if you are quite an ambitious, independent person, and I would say majority of small business owners are that, that's why you start a small business. You sort of want to have control over your time. You want to do things your way. You know, you're really curious about things. And often as a small business owner, you are the person other people turn to for help. And so it can be even harder sometimes for you to ask for that help. So I absolutely loved that Jolinda was so you know, open and real and talking about, you know, accepting help when she needed and being open to receiving that because often the person giving it is really wanting to give it. And by us knocking it back or being defensive or, you know, taking it as a blow to our ego, it's actually, you know, not just a bad experience for ourselves, but also for the person that's really trying to help. Yeah. So I absolutely loved that. Just a reminder that accepting help, whatever form that comes in is totally fine and actually should be something that perhaps we look at doing a bit more often in our small business. So that is it for today's small business interview. I would love to know what you thought of this. So definitely reach out to me on Instagram. I'm at my daily business coach. I'm sure Jolinda would also love to know what the takeaway was for you. So definitely reach out to her on Instagram as well. She is at coach Jolinda. C-O-A-C-H-J-O-L-I-N-D-A. And if you want to check out more of Jolinda Johnson, definitely go over to Jolinda Johnson, and that's Johnson with a H, 
Com. And of course, we'll link to those in the show notes along with a full transcript of this episode. And that'll be available over at mydailybusinesscoach.com forward slash podcast forward slash 90 as this is episode 90. Thank you so, so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend and or if you have two seconds, please leave a review. It just helps us get found by other small business owners across the globe. Bye. Thanks for listening to the My Daily Business Coach podcast. If you want to get in touch, you can do that at mydailybusinesscoach.com or hit me up on Instagram at mydailybusinesscoach. 